This week's episode is brought to you by Cardiologists. Hit them up if you need some help with your blood pressure, everyone. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! What a brilliant goal by Nathan McKay! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, you're welcome to the March 26, 2018 edition of Burgundy Radio, the Colorado Avalanche podcast. Coming up on the show, we've got a magnifying glass in the playoff race. There's a battery of mystery injuries and a few final predictions. But before we play the whoosh, I need to introduce your disembodied voices for the week. Joining us, as always, is Earl. What's up, Earl? Hola, amigos. And back with us once again is the voice of Vlad. How are you? How's it going? Doing good. This is just about the shortest intro of all time. Whoosh. <laughs> On Tuesday, Avs win 5-1 over the Chicago Blackhawks and eliminate them from the playoffs in the process. You're welcome, NHL. There were 85 total shots on goal in this game, over 40 apiece. Scoring for the Avs are Alexander Kerfoot twice, Miko Rannan, Tyson Berry, and Eric Johnson. Oh, and Varlamov only stopped 44 of 45. No big deal. Then on Thursday, Rantanen opened the score against the LA Kings, and that was it. Nothing else happened. Not sure why the NHL website says the Avs got Brazil at home in this one, because that would surely never happen. Finally, on Saturday, Avs tie the Vegas Golden Knights 1-1, and then win the shootout. Carl Soderberg with the only regulation goal, and Gabe Landeskog gets the only goal for either side in the shootout. This was a crazy game, a whole lot of fun, and a whole lot of anxiety, and this is a likely playoff opponent for the Avs. So hey, get braced, y'all. How do y'all feel about that? I, I thought it was... Probably the most entertaining game of the season, and, and maybe in the past three, four, or five, maybe even longer than that years. Um, it, it was, it really did have the playoff feel, and that's just something that it's just so foreign as an Avs fan over the past few years to to really be involved with that. Um, you know, a, a really tight game against an opponent that we really matched up poorly with early in the season, but this game, it, it seemed like we were able to play Vegas's game as well as they did. And it was just trading shots and, and chances back and forth all game. It, it's, I, I don't know. I, it just really made you clench all over your body the whole game. And <laughs> you're just spent at the end. Um, but <clears throat> There, there were some, there were some things that were kind of tough to watch about it, like Gabe Landeskog missing a an open net and and another oh, really good chance. There were like four posts. Blake, yeah, Blake Como should have tried the triple axle over <laughs> Flurry that time because I think he might have landed that one better. Um, you know, there there were some good chances that the Avs didn't capitalize on that 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 could have ended that game a little quicker, but. Um. You know, just as a fan, it, it was it was fun to go through something like that, just in in preparation for it, if we do make the playoffs. And then I'll, um, I'll agree to that too. Yeah, uh, Miko Rantanen apparently told uh, told Landeskog that he'd never heard the building that loud before. Um, so, who among us was in the building for that one? That would be me. I was there. So. This that game on that Vegas game, it really was kind of weird to see it turn into what it ultimately became. I thought in the first period, you know, they always got that that goal early, and it was just one of those games. I for me, just you settle into your seat, you're like all right, Avs got an early lead. Hopefully, it doesn't turn out poorly, but you know, settle in. It's gonna be good. And then, and then in the second period, the Avs just kind of went a little soft. Uh, Vegas uh, started making some better plays, and it's like, oh, this is kind of becoming a little bit of a seesaw battle sort of thing here. And then in the third, I thought is when it finally started becoming the playoff heartbeat. It's, I saw the crowd start leaning forward collectively, <laughs> watching the plays happen. And the the, the audible <gasps> oh. <laughs> when the plays were going one way or going the other way, I was like, <gasps> oh, so having that kind of excitement in the building again, and this building was full. It was more full than 
Detroit was last week. Even though they nice. said, "Yeah, this is a sellout." No, this was a, this was the sellout here. There were very few open seats. The crowd was buzzing. They were eating it all up, and they started really pulling for this Avalanche squad. And that was just to me, the like, oh, where have these people been? <laughs> so it was re- it, it was really nice to see the crowd really take to this, and that's when I, I, I felt, you know what, these this this crowd is ready for playoffs, and they want that. They want this team to give them playoff action. Well, they're in luck because Colorado's playoffs have pretty much started. They took care of business for Chicago and upset Vegas, but they lost the big one of the week in a big way. So overall, how do you feel about this week? Um, you know, the Kings game was a tragedy, but you know, the, the overreaction by fans is is definitely warranted to a point. I mean, it's just tough to it's tough to see a team that's been playing so well. I mean, I think going into that game, they were eight, one, and three over their past twelve games, or something like that. Um, so, I mean, we we've become accustomed to watching them win or get points, and it, just to see an effort like that, um, you know, it was, it was really tough to deal with. But it's only two points they missed out on. It's only one game, and. And honestly, like they knew they weren't going to win probably probably when that fourth goal was scored right at the opening of the second period. And, and from then on, you're just sort of trying not to get hurt. Um, and seeing them bounce back the way they did yesterday shows that it's not sort of the, the here-we-go-again kind of loss that we saw so often last season, obviously, and, and even the, the season before um, when Patrick was on his way out. So... You know, I, I think it, it it might actually be helpful to have a game like that just to know that, you know, just to remind the guys that, you know, th- this is what happens when you don't come ready to play. So you better be ready to play every night. And that, that you can come back from something like that and still be sitting in the, in the first wildcard spot after the weekend. I think there's something to be said for that, even with... Uh the California teams and the abs kind of jockeying for the position in the wild card. And then the third, uh, the, th- the third seed, uh, although that's more for the California teams than of course the abs uh, to look at that loss in a vacuum and say, well, you didn't lose any ground in the short term. You really didn't lose any ground period after the Vegas uh, victory. So to kind of say, all right, let's take a step back and say, maybe this isn't as bad as it seems, but to witness that in live was, just wow! It's like ooh, it, 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 it was, it was, it was bad. And a few of the fans that were sitting around me uh, made that quite, quite clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you, Vlad. Sort of, what what was the compare contrast between the 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 Kings game and yesterday's game? I mean, it that that's sort of as high and as low as you can probably get in the space of a couple of days. Yeah, it was uh, just when when the you know when they got that first goal you're like, "All right, they're off to a great start against uh against this team and then LA just took took it over." It's like, "Nope, we're going to take the keys and we're not giving them back. We're just going to keep driving." And the crowd just was essentially just stunned into silence after seeing the Avs play so well at home and then just have someone come in and say, "Uh, no you don't." <laughs> These points belong to us. All your points belong to us. And the the bill you, you just felt like the the air just gets sucked out of the room, except for the the guy behind me who is uh, screaming that the Avs didn't care and that they wanted the that they should have acted like they wanted the wild card. Uh, shoot! <laughs> yes, he was the shoot guy. Sheets of Boschman, act like you care. Francois, what are you doing? Here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, there was there was some very vocal displeasure about how how the team performed, and let's be fair, it it was a, it was a stinker of a game. Yeah, that that was sort of one of those you you have to you have to lose to learn how to win kind of situations. Hopefully, um, and, and for the abs, it's like this is a team that uh, you know. A team like this will play a style like this in the postseason. So the sooner the ads see it, the better they can be ready for it when the playoffs do arrive. 
So it's like, here's your measuring stick, just uh, make sure you don't get your faces caved in by it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Kings were in their playoff mode. They, I mean, you know, Kopitar obviously with four goals, you know, he was their leader. He's very experienced in the playoffs, obviously. So, <clears throat> you know, they, that, that was about as good as the Kings could probably play. Um, and again, I, I, I do think that's, that's a very good lesson, not only for the young kids on the, on the abs, but just sort of for everyone, because I mean, really none of these guys have experienced the playoffs together. Um, you know, there, there's, there, there really aren't that many guys left over from the miracle year. There's so, McKinnon, Landis, Gog, Johnson, Barry, Varley, Varley. Yeah. He gets it. I think you're right. Um, so, you know, the, you know, the, these guys are learning lessons, not just in, in how to get to the playoffs and, and how to act in the playoffs, but just, just sort of how to, to play as a team together. And I, I think they've really been working well as a team together all year. Um, and I, I think they came out great yesterday just because – I think the first 10 minutes of the game were, were very back and forth and, and the abs were sort of, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, these guys, they have this four check thing where they're on you like white on rice immediately. So, um, you know, we, we, we have to combat this and they did, you know, for the, the second half of the first period, they really ramped it up and, and, you know, they defeated the four check. They were able to move the puck. They were able to get a lot of good zone time in the Vegas zone and sort of in the second period, they even started mirroring, I thought, what Vegas does. And they started forechecking more, and they started doing a little bit more in the neutral zone as far as attacking the, the puck carrier. Um, and that's not something that they've really done much this year. I think their biggest weakness has been sort of the way that they play in the neutral zone when they're on defense. So uh, th that was... You know that that was something that actually surprised me a lot. And if they can sort of take that, if if the the coaching staff is confident that they can be a little bit more aggressive in the neutral zone, I think that will really help them not only down the stretch but in the playoffs. Of course, when they started doing that, it was also when the game opened up a little bit, and by a yeah. little bit, I mean tremendously. So, because <laughs> that that was I where I was able to start watching, and it was just like what was like okay, I wasn't expecting the upstart shockingly good Vegas and the you know playing well but relying on goaltending right now Avalanche to I didn't expect to turn on that game and see pond hockey like that was crazy but I think that's the side effect of the of what the Avs were doing it it, it was counterintuitive when they started attacking the puck carrier in the neutral zone it opened things up rather than shutting it down I I I, I didn't realize it at, at the time, but this morning when I was sort of looking over some of the plays and sort of how I felt about things with a, with a night's rest on it, um, it, it was actually the abs getting more defensively aggressive that opened the game up. So um, I don't know. I, I think there's some good film to look at for the staff and, and sort of some, some things they can put into the abs strategies and tactics going down the stretch that, you know, that might make them, you know, go to another level defensively. Assuming they ever have time to, you know, practice them. Sure. Practice. Practice, practice is fun. If that was any other goaltender in net for Vegas, that was not named Mark Andre Fleury. Would those toe saves had actually been toe saves. And would this game have just been, completely out of reach for Vegas because those were some ridiculous saves that the Avs had, uh, had uh, generated in the offensive zone to have Flurry make those. Yeah. They were just incredible. Yeah. That, that no look pad save on Landy. Um, you know, that he's a very experienced goalie. So I, I'm not making, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's luck or anything like that, but that's, that's, that's the kind of save that the very few goaltenders are going to make. In the and then there, there's I mean, yeah, that, it, that one save on Landeskog was kind of more Gabe catching the pass in a strange spot and not being able to pull it as far over as he could have. It kind of shot it right into the pad, but overall yeah. flurry was electric. 
And then yeah. later on in the game, in an overtime, so was Varlamov. So it was a, it was a really exciting one-one game. Yeah, overtime. That was I, I just if 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 there was overtime like that every game, I'd I'd probably be dead of a heart attack by now. <laughs> I mean, that was just I, you know, I I, I just I, I can't imagine, you know, the, the clenchiness of of such a five minutes stretch every game. Well, I mean, that would just be well. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that crowd when uh, Vegas had that uh, bad line change that led to the Johnson breakaway, they were on their feet. They were leaning. There was again just that silence in the air as Johnson broke in on him, and then yeah. just the ah. Oh. <laughs> this crowd was just living and dying with every play in overtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Avs they they only probably had three good chances, but they were they were good chances, and and you know, you really felt like one of them was going to go in. I, I remember when Johnson missed, I, I, just, I fell on the floor. I was just rolling. I was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, there, there was the Johnson breakaway that got saved. There was McKinnon getting a stick lifted. There yeah. was all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> that was just like, ah, so close. <laughs> um, But the Avs do find a way to come out of that one with with two points, and those are two points they really needed after dropping the four-point game to L.A. Yeah. But Um, also at the same time, the Avalanche have been calling up a goaltender again. And we saw Sven Andergetto and Colin Wilson back out of the lineup again. And uh, obviously Mark Barbario is still dead. Yeah, that that was... you know what? What they've had to do be, because of John Bernier not having a concussion. His, his hand apparently has a concussion now, <laughs> with a cut that's become infected. Um, and they've they've called Spencer Martin back up, and I, I I would assume he's probably up for the duration. You know that the the Avs don't they don't really need to send him back to San Antonio. I know that Vili Huso, the Blues goalie, was sent back there today. So they have three goalies there now, and they might send Kanata back to the Eagles and all that. And, and just as a side note, Andrew Hammond played his first game for the Avalanche organization last night and won two to one. Oh wow! Yeah. Um. But you know the 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 Andrew Ghetto and Wilson thing is weird because they're not concussions. They said lower body injuries. Wilson has been struggling with lower body injuries most of the season, so that's not really that um, surprising. Um, you, you really hope that Andrew Ghetto, it's not a setback to the injury that took him out for, for most of the last couple of months. Um, but they went with an interesting lineup yesterday of 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, and the 7th defenseman at least starting the game was our good friend Mark Alt. Coincidentally, who wears number seven? He does. <laughs> it was almost like they planned it that way. <laughs> and I got to tell you, Mark Alt was not what I expected. Um, you know, I, they, they just sort of said, oh, he's a huge guy, 6'4", 220. And, so you're expecting you know, a coach machine. Yeah, I was expecting Joe <laughs> Colborn as a defenseman, basically. Um, but he get you know, he can skate pretty well. He he didn't make any really bad puck errors, and he, he basically took over Duncan Seaman's job, um, starting probably in the early part of the second period. Um, Duncan only had I think he had seven shifts altogether and, and nothing after midway through the game. Um, part of that is is the Avs only had to kill one penalty, and that was very early in the game. But um, <clears throat> you know, it's good to see. I I've, I've been thinking that this was kind of a dumb move. Uh, maybe it's a little better than I thought. Um, he's he's serviceable. I'd probably you know just from that one performance, I'd, I'd you know I'd be fine seeing him again. So, way to go, Mark Alt. Oh, yeah, now You're now ben- an official Colorado Avalanche. Now that Bednar's decided to actually see what the guy can do in a game, I mean, with with Lindholm allegedly healthy and 
Siemens and Warsawski about equally bad. I mean, it, it's it's definitely refreshing to have another defenseman that, that can come in and, and do something effective. Yeah, especially especially in an important game like that, and it being his first game with the club, and you want to go out and make sure that you're not hurting the team with your first contributions, and he did fine. Yeah. And I, I wrote about this today, and then uh, later on I was listening to uh, the BSN pod, and AJ mentioned this as well. But I, I'm actually I'm okay going with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, you know, at least for the time being, as, as long as Andrew Ghetto and, and Wilson are MIA. Uh, just because I, I, I like the idea of if a defenseman gets hurt, you, have, so you, you still have three full pairs you can roll through. And um, they they never they didn't use uh, Toninato and Bork as sort of a line with an extra center or or wing on it yesterday. They they sort of used those guys to spell players on the other three lines uh, when they needed a rest. And if you're not going to use the fourth as as a real line anyway, I, I think this is probably a a, a better usage. Um, just sort of roll three lines that you're comfortable with and have a couple of uh, substitutes that can play some special teams and, and uh, you know, give, give the big guys a rest every once in a while. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? That sounds very soccer-like. <laughs> I'm definitely on board with that logic just because if you just look at the way that the coaching staff uses their <coughs> roster, I mean, they don't want to play Gabriel Bork and Toninato and... Uh, Yakupov and Kerfoot for very much ice time if they play at all in in Yak's case. So don't force it. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think Kamenev probably if he played more, that he might be able to get up to speed and and be a good contributor. But I, I'm not sure. Like right now is a great time to be doing that. No. <laughs> I was. I am honestly really surprised he came back this season at all. I didn't expect to see him back with the Avalanche until next season, and that's why. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a tough spot to be making. You know, for for all intents and purposes, that was this is his NHL debut. I know he played a couple of games with the Predators, and then you know, the, of course, the the four minutes he got earlier in the season with the Abs, but. Um. You know, I, I think he can contribute if they use him in sort of this way as sort of, you know, the, the way they used uh, Bork and Toninato yesterday. But, you know, those guys seem to do fine in that role. So I, it's not a big deal if they don't use him that way either. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think that they used the, the 11 forward, 7 defenseman strategy well yesterday. And if that keeps working, I, I have no problems going forward with it. Until, of course, you get some of those mysteriously injured forwards back. And uh, BSN reported yesterday that they were the dreaded day-to-day. Yeah. So, they might play against Vegas on Monday. They might not be seen again in the regular season. Right, and Jared Bednar said uh, after the game that he had no timetable on him. That's sort of, he, he's, that's sort of his stock <laughs> answer to everything now. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah he he knows everyone hates the i haven't talked to the trainer answer so he switched to we don't have a timetable <laughs> don't you think you should know about your own players injuries yeah probably <laughs> he's keeping that answer under his flat build hat <laughs> we're gonna keep that in the family as varley said yesterday yeah that's what he, that's what he needs to start bringing in it's family secrets god that was funny yeah, it was. <laughs> what did you tell Coach Bednar before the shootout? Well, that's a family secret. <laughs> I'm really not sure what, what answer Lauren expected to that question, but I, I am glad that we got that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I I'm sure that. she didn't... I, I'm sure she didn't expect him to say, you know, to say exactly what he said, but it just... I. I'm dying to know sort of what it was about. Like, was it about our shooters or was it about, you know, another kind of strategy or, or something like that? Cause you know, we, we know Budai used to give 
sort of the book on everybody back when he was the Avs backup. And I wonder just sort of what, what Varley was saying. I, I think that it, it was probably some sort of observation on what they ought to try on Flurry, if I had to guess. Um, just because when you're the goalie at the other end, you're, you're kind of looking at the other guy and sort of looking at tendencies and things like that. But, but who knows? It was a good answer and a fun moment. So should we do the weak stars and scratches? Sure. Well, before we get to that, I want to mention that it was interesting to see how, uh, Bednar elected for the Fs to shoot second. Yeah. And that's weird. Cause, um, I, I don't know if that's sort of in the organization or not, because I've seen Eric Veyu do that a couple of times uh, in San Antonio. And you're Why? like, what are you, what are you thinking, dude? You go first, always. You know? <laughs> yeah, t- tell me where that's interesting to you, because on paper, it shouldn't matter. Right, on paper, I... it shouldn't, but... you I, I would presume that if you're the home team, you always want to have the first crack at it. But by deferring to Gallant and his his three shooters, is that maybe just a, a head fake for uh, in the coach's playbook to say, "Hey, uh, we'll we'll receive you you guys. Uh, you guys go first. Is it, was it just a, co- a slick co- uh, coaching move there? And if so, hey, it paid off for sure. I mean, gave give the captain the last uh, the last crack at it, and he he got it. But I thought it was just an interesting gamut, and it worked. Yeah, because you'd think, like, if you have confidence in your shooters, you want them going first and having the the other team to have to match you. But, um, I, I, you know, I don't know the logic behind going second there, and I've never heard anyone <clears throat> give it some sort of statistical um, reason for it. But, you know, it worked out, so I'm not going to question it. <laughs> Right. And, and I don't Nico think any abs coach. <coughs> I don't think any abs coach has done it since the shootout was implemented. Yeah, probably not on home ice. Miko hit the post and shootout because, of course, he did. That that was just the way of that game. And uh, yeah, we had four posts, or a, no? We, we had yeah. I th- I think we had two, and I'm think the rampage had four posts last night. That's what I'm thinking of. But it was definitely more than two. But Rudo would know how many posts there were. Um, yeah. And then, and then of course McKinnon's chance. He did his normal McKinnon move and shot the puck straight up in the air. Yeah, he chili dipped it. The uh, puck kind of skipped on him like right before he took the shot. But it was it was like Craig Smith's empty net miss. It was like straight up like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and one thing before we put that game to bed is Carl Soderberg re- returned in that game after missing two games with illness, which didn't matter in the Chicago game. It, I don't know if it would have mattered in the Kings game, but it, it could have <laughs> for sure. Um, but it was really nice having him back, and obviously he scored the only goal that was really a goal. And It was a nice goal. It was a, it was a very nice goal. He roofed it on the power play on, on the second unit. Um, but I, I think the sort of the, the two games, obviously the, the abs didn't perform very well when they were in, in Sweden and he was not earlier in the year. Um, and you know, it's hard to attribute that to him, but I, I think over the, the past two games, um, you know, it just sort of shows how important Carl has been over the past couple of months. I don't. I don't remember who it was, but someone mentioned um, during somewhere during the week that at home Bednar will usually put Carl's line up against the other team's best and use them to really you know shut shut those guys down and let Nathan McKinnon's line have you know the the next set of, of guys on the other team and without having Carl in the, in the lineup you're kind of stuck with Como and Nieto plus one and that's not necessarily the most effective line in the world for shutting down someone like Anze Kopitar. And so you have McKinnon's line going best on best, and that's not what they're best at. They're not bad. They get that matchup anyway a lot, um, even at home. But <clears throat> what I see a lot is that that situationally, they will take away that matchup at home. They'll put Carl out against the best line and let 
Nate's line go out there against a little lesser competition situationally, and that works out well. Um, but you're right. It just you 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 know you can't do that with Vlad Kamenev or, or Dominic Toninato, uh centering that line, or or even Tyson Jost if that's what you're trying to do, just because that's not a very fast line. <laughs> yeah, and they even you know after I think in the first game, let's see, it's it was either the first or the second game. As in the third period of both games, really, they sort of did it by committee. They put Comfer out there with that line a little bit and Jost and Wilson even a little bit. Um, you know, it just it it just again it shows how much Carl has meant to this season. So we're going to throw a star at Carl? Yeah, let's throw a star, a star at Carl. Um, you know, it, <clears throat> if you were in doubt about Carl Soderberg being a big part of the success of this team this year, I think your your proof kind of came this week. I think this will, this may be the first week in a long time that we haven't had an obligatory star for Nathan McKinnon. I think that goes to Miko Rantanen this week. Yeah. Yeah. He was um, actually fantastic. Well, his parents were in town. They were. <laughs> Not just <laughs> his parents. His grandparents and all his buddies, yeah. Aunts and uncles. That's what Carly meant by the family secret. <laughs> it was like his whole extended family rolled in from Sweden. Like, why not? <laughs> He's up to um, 80 yeah. points now in 74 games, and that goes along that goes along with McKinnon's 92 and 67. But Miko is very close to a guaranteed point a game season himself. Yeah, they're they're both going to end up with with very good seasons, and um, just because uh, the the point streaks both ended for them uh, yesterday. Nate had a 14 gamer and Miko had a I think 8 Thursday not not yesterday. Yeah, Thursday. Well, Miko got the uh, opening goal on Thursday, so no, maybe his ended yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Just cuz the who who got points on that goal? That was Kerfoot, Comfer and Carl, so you know, not, none of the no. big guys buried okay. Barry's point streak ended. Okay, I'm wrong. Um but yeah, I, I would go with Miko over Nate, just slightly. I, th- I think Nate's just been sort of a little bit off lately for some reason. I, I, I can't put my finger on why. Because um, his shots are getting saved. It's that, and I think he's he's actually playing a little bit more defensively responsible, um, and that that might be taking away a, a little bit of sort of his aggressive offensive style, but. That's just projection. Who knows? Sometimes it can look like that look that way when the shots are just not going in, but he is still shooting the puck at an incredible rate. Mm-hmm. So who else would we want to add on to for the stars? We need one more. Vlad? Hmm. Well, Vlad. I would probably say Eric Johnson. Okay. That would not be a bad choice, ever. Well, sometimes, but not usually. Yeah, I, I mean, just besides everything else he does, just looking at him in overtime yesterday, like we all suspected, you know, he, he is the guy you want out there as the defenseman in overtime, not oh, God, Tyson yeah. Barry. He broke up a near breakaway. Just kind of like, yeah. just going to slap the puck out of there like it's no big deal. And, and I don't know what it is, but he has this knack of, of being able to, you know, penetrate the offensive zone, um, you know, just using his skating and, and size that, that just, you know, he, Barry just doesn't have that. Yeah, he, he uh, doesn't always necessarily have the kind of scoring finish that Tyson Barry adds, but yeah. his, his ability to shut down chances the other way is way more important three on three. Let, let your yeah. forwards do the scoring. Yeah, I, I was not... I, I was nowhere near as worried with Johnson out there as sort of when he was out and we had to play overtime. 
Yeah, and Johnson was the was the defenseman of choice to kick off overtime on on Saturday. So I I, I think we all kind of felt great. This isn't going to end in eighteen seconds. <laughs> cool. We get more than one shift. So um so speaking of Barry, I felt like he had a apart from you know he had a goal on Tuesday, but he had a pretty rotten week. Otherwise, in a lot of ways. And uh, he gets called out very easily for a lot of his mistakes, but a lot of it was actually warranted for once this week, and I would toss him on the scratch side. Yeah, I was going to say, he he was sort of a large part of some of the struggles against the Kings. Um, and that's just sort of, you know, that's, that's you know, that that's what you get with Tyson Berry. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it, it's going to get you three or four goals in a game, and then sometimes it's it's going to lead to some bad plays and, and maybe a loss. Um and you know, again, we we always hope it evens out. I think it does. Um, I think I think it's it's a it's a net positive for the Avs. But it's just you know when you when you see a game like that where he's struggling and and they get Brazil, it it's it leads to a lot of fan angst about him. And then I get annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> So, Barry, I need you to play better so everyone doesn't annoy me. That's the only only good reason to play better. So, who else could have been, you know, not so stinky this week? Hmm. I see y'all haven't put a whole lot of thought into this. It's not that. It's just there's not a lot. Like I'm not going to say low hanging fruit. Like oh, it's dumb to play Duncan for three minutes yesterday, or you know something like that. Oh, you already said that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think I think it it was. You know, it, it's hard to say this with a game like again. You know, against Los Angeles on on Thursday, but you know there there wasn't a lot of guys you can point to and say like, you know, you're you're flat out awful. Like I think Andrew Ghetto was obviously pretty bad against the Kings, but <clears throat> and I wasn't surprised he was scratched before we found out he was injured yesterday. Which um, game was but, it that we saw Andrew Ghetto kind of like take a slightly awkward hit into the board? I was trying to like... remember that. Yeah, I was trying to remember that at the beginning of yesterday's game. I, I that might have been against Chicago, or could have been in the Kings game, or might have been even last week. I can't remember, but it wasn't last soon... week. It was definitely this week. But there was there was yeah. a play where he like he was had a puck battle on the boards and then he was skating towards the bench and he just went real slowly down onto all fours and someone was like you know it looked like he'd maybe gotten butted in the nads but there was nobody near him. Yeah. Um, it, it looked like I mean, something it, had just gone. Nope, you're not skating right now. Yeah. So it, if that was you know if that was Chicago and I think it was that that sort of points to why he might have looked poorly against the Kings and then didn't play yesterday. Um, and if, you know, if that indeed is the case, then, then he doesn't really deserve a scratch, but you know, but they did scratch him and deservedly. So yeah. <laughs> and how about Jonathan Bernier's finger? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand how you can have an infection like that. <laughs> uh, but I don't know about his his finger, but I, th I mean, what do you do in a case where you get Brazil other than try and spark the team and make a goaltender change? I don't think it was the smartest idea to throw Bernier out there if he's not fully prepared to play. If he's not fully yeah. prepared to play, he cannot be your backup. It's just that that yeah. would be outrageously dumb. I, I think, I mean, Varley needs every bit of risk he can get, you know. I mean, who who knows that, you know, if he'd continued and finished that game on Thursday, that maybe he doesn't have the strength to make 39 saves yesterday and, and three in the shootout. Um, at, the, at the same time, do you, do you also put your recently concussed back of goaltender at further risk, even with robo-helmet? Robo-helmet. That was something. That thing was bright. Yeah. Or here's a question, like, like say Spencer Martin was the, the backup that night. Would they have put Marty in at that point? 
I would say so. I, I think that's a better option than putting Jonathan Bernier in and risking further injury. Would yeah. I? Yes. Would they? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure they would have. I don't um, think they're they going to just... play Spencer Martin or Andrew Hammond, regardless of the situation. And and it's not necessarily on Varlamov that that game got out of control, but he also didn't come up with the saves to bail the team out when he could have. So He had a couple softies there, yeah. He did. Um, like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the team hung him out way to dry several times. Like, there's... When there's seven goals, there's plenty of blame yeah, to go around. Like there's two or three breakaways <laughs> in there, but you could, you could save one of them. Yeah, this is going to sound a little awkward coming from me, but when Anthony Duclair beats beat you two to one on the scoreboard, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. You may want to take a step back, <laughs> reevaluate that picture. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to hammer Varlam off. He's been excellent apart from that game. Yeah. Oh yeah. What do you um, mean? I, that'll be the last thing I kind of want to say about this week, actually, is the Avalanche have had several games lately where they've been riding goaltending, and it hasn't necessarily looked like it, because I really think that they just don't shoot as much as other teams. They they don't necessarily get their rebounds, or they, they shoot wide and it comes out of the zone on the rush, because that's what rush shots sometimes do, and they give up a lot of shots the other way. They've been getting almost sneaky outshot a lot lately and really riding goaltending, so... A game like Thursday is, was a nice wake-up call to say, hey, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, you know, seeing them keep up with a team like Vegas yesterday, again, in, in a bounce-back effort was, was pretty impressive, even though, like, the chart looks really wild just because it goes sky-high for the Avs, and then by the end of the game, it's it's right, you know, it's, it's almost back to an even game. But Score effects. Yeah. Um, although it's one-one, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Colorado are, are led score effects in a tied game in the third period. I don't know. <laughs> Colorado led for like two-thirds of that game, so. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, if they can play like they did yesterday and sort of you know get the shot suppression going, they they're a little bit better on puck retrieval and. You know, they're they're just they're much quicker on pucks. I thought just everywhere, but you know, especially like I talked about in the neutral zone. But you know, it seemed like they were getting you know a little bit more cycle pressure, and and they were able to get second and and third shots uh, on a possession, which is like you're just talking about. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen. They get one shot and it's over. So let's. Uh leave the past in the past for for this point we'll we'll kind of look ahead and look around a little bit because uh the avalanche are in a tight playoff race with two weeks left of the season there's about four teams left in the running here um minnesota is probably going to finish third in in the central there if if they lose to boston tonight there's then you might say okay maybe they're still right in it um, but Boston doesn't just have a tremendous amount to play for at this point. Um, Calgary are done, and Dallas are almost done. So it, it comes down I'll say to... I'll it. Da- Dallas is done. <laughs> Dallas has <coughs> one regulation win in their last ten. Yeah. Cool. And their goalie's hurt. They are 1-6-3 and three in their last ten. Not, not that Colorado fans would know anything about that. Having a giant losing skid at the end of the season when you were right on the edge of the playoff race? We don't know nothing about that. <laughs> nope. I wonder if they'll win their last two games and make all their fans mad. <laughs> and then a couple years later have a right winger with 80 points in 70-some games. Remember when everyone was upset that that pick was that low? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So it's down to Colorado, who have seven games remaining and 90 points. And then Anaheim and St. Louis, who also have seven games remaining and 89 points. And then the LA Kings have six games remaining and also 89 points. That's yeah, we sort of got, 
Yeah, and and we've got two battles here because Anaheim and, and the Kings are playing for a spot that's not open to the Avs, obviously, with the, the third spot in the Pacific Division. Right. One of them will get that spot. Um, so you're you're looking at basically the loser of that battle versus St. Louis versus the Avalanche for the two wild card spots. More and, or less, yeah. Yeah. And St. Louis just being on it, like I thought they were smoked, but they have won seven of their last ten games. So the op, they're doing the opposite of Dallas. How long can that last, though? I know they have a relatively easy schedule as compared to the other three teams, but... Yeah, let's just start by looking at the Blues' remaining schedule, and you can tell me how many points you think they're going to get out of it. They have San Jose at home, and then they have Vegas on the road, and then they're back-to-back in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Then they're they're at home with Washington, at home with Chicago, at Chicago, back-to-back at Colorado. it's not it's it's not the hardest schedule on the planet but it's not easy either no it looks like it's just a land a landmines of trap games for them yeah like i i i think that the arizona game could be a big old trap for them um much as as vlad knows i don't like the coyotes very much but you know they, they have a way of aggravating people. <laughs> the, the, the spirit of Shane Doan. We'll call it the spirit of Shane Doan. Oh, um, they, they, they have a knack for getting people off their game, and um, you know they can sneak up on you. Um, and that's, it's so t- it's so tough to to figure out. Like you know, does Washington care? Does San Jose care? I mean, it's just. You know what? What's the mindset of these teams that are sort of higher in the standings now, uh, going into games like this? You know, like you could see Washington just not even caring a little bit. I think San you know? Jose cares until they clinch. They they do have six yeah. points on the other California teams, but they really can't afford to be like, ah, well, we got this. Right. Um, you know, and I I think Gerard Gallant is probably gonna crack the whip on the, on Vegas probably till the end, no matter where, what their situation is, just because, um, you know, even, even though they're in first place, they're a team that's not been together for more than nine months. So, right. Uh, they need to sort of keep that mentality of, of winning Jeez. every night. Vegas has scored 250 goals. Yeah. They score a lot except yesterday. The only teams who've scored more are Tampa, Toronto, and then Pittsburgh by one. Yeah. <clears throat> no, nice. I mean that, that's yeah. Repressing their their scoring yesterday was you know that was a sneaky good job. Yeah, we'll see if they can do it again on Monday. Exactly. But St. Louis's uh, schedule is like it's that at Vegas you you would expect them to struggle. The at Arizona, yeah. I mean, Arizona have been playing well for the back half of the season, so you would expect that to be a tough one as well. San Jose yeah, that's at a... home, that you, they ought, probably ought to win that one. Washington at home, what's Washington's situation right now? They're, what, like, Washington are at the top of the Metro, but not by a lot. They still have plenty to play for. Maybe by then they and, won't. And, and even if they don't... Even if they don't, that Washington coming into St. Louis, that's like they're just sort of like, well, I mean, these people, these guys can't hurt us, so let's just play loose. Maybe they, you know, yeah, just go for it. Yeah, and then they got the home and home with Chicago, who you know Chicago would love to play spoiler to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's probably some. That's probably the last thing they care about this season is is getting at least two points out of that. And then <laughs> so, and then closing the year. On the road with travel in Denver, like that's going to be tough for them too. Yeah, and you know, as we've all been hinting at over the past couple of weeks, is, is how meaningful will that game be? Um, I, I guess the best case is sort of the the Abs and the Blues have both clinched, and it's just it's deciding who gets wild card one and wild card two. In which case, you know, that's still a lot to play for because you're basically playing to see who faces Nashville um, or 
you know, the loser plays Nashville, obviously. Right. Um, <clears throat> to dodge so, Nashville. And that yeah, one so, point from that goal review that went wrong smells very bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's but it's really uh, it, it's, it's really not hard to imagine St. Louis winning almost all of those games, just like it's not hard to imagine them being under 500 from here on out. So, yeah, that's a tough schedule to really call much out of. Yeah. LA's schedule yeah. looks fairly easy to me compared to the others that are left. They're at home against Calgary. They're at home against Arizona. Then they're back-to-back with travel in Anaheim. Yeah, that's oh, not no. travel. <laughs> and then that's they a close, grueling road trip. And then they close the season out at home against Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas. So That's uh, not as not hard to imagine the Kings winning out, frankly. <laughs> like I could see it. Yeah, I you know a lot of people seem to think the Ducks are going to end up in that third Pacific spot. I I think the Kings have got that. Um, I I I think they're they're probably going to win. They're they're probably going to get about they have seven games left. The Kings, yeah. Yeah, I you know I, no, I they think they're gonna probably they have six left. My bad. They have six. Yeah, I, I think they're probably gonna end up with nine points, maybe ten out of that. Um. Although Anaheim's is actually very similar, they are in Edmonton tonight, um, and then they're in Vancouver on Tuesday. Then they're at home against LA, at home against Colorado, at home against Minnesota, at home against Dallas. And they end the season back to back on the road in Arizona. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I think the Kings end up. I think the Kings end up in that third Pacific spot. So I think they do too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree and, to that. And that honestly suits the Avs just fine because they have better tiebreakers against Anaheim. Yeah, because Anaheim doesn't like winning in regulation. They don't. They're a real big fan of that OTL. It's the Randy Carlisle special over there. Yeah. Anaheim have won 38 games, which is the lowest of any playoff team except for Philadelphia. Yeah. Who have also lost 13 overtime games. And they've got four or five shootout wins. So their rows are like 32 or 33, something like that. 34. 34. Yeah. The only other playoff team with 34 row are New Jersey. Yeah. So who only have 86 points and are somehow in a playoff spot. Yeah. I just, I, I think that's a little bit smoke and mirrors with them. I just, I don't, you know, I, I don't, even though that, that sort of looks on paper like an easy schedule. I, I, I don't think anything's easy for that team. No. And even if they do make it, they're a good, a good bet to get balanced in the first round. Yeah, for sure. So then that leaves us Colorado's schedule, um, which is at Vegas tonight slash or tomorrow slash tonight. Um, then at home versus Philadelphia, which is not an easy win by any means, but winnable. Uh, at home against Chicago, which you would expect Colorado to be able to take two points out of that one. Then they're in Anaheim. The next day they're in LA. Then they're in San, San Jose. And then they're back at home against St. Louis to end things out. And, they, and St. Louis will come in tired and, and Colorado will come in rested. So that's something. Yeah. The Avs will actually have a little bit more rest too because they have a two-day window between the Kings game and the San Jose game. So they get a little yeah, bit they of do. before those two games. Right. And th- that's um, a game that San Jose may have nothing left to play for. They, they may be resting guys at that point. So... Colorado going 500 in those games would be, you know, acceptable if if it's enough to get them in the playoffs. That that, be... You know, it's weird because you have Micah's projections. Everyone, you know, all four of the teams we're talking about here are 96 point something. Yeah. Um, and that just sounds low to me. I, you know, I... I I think the Avs could easily get 100 points. Well, 500 um, would be 97. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I, I think, you know, I, I think that you're probably going to need, you're probably going to want 98 or 99 to, to feel really confident about it. Like, I, I think going into the final game with, with St. Louis, if they're at 98 there, um, that they're, you know, that they should be fine. But that, that again, that's a lot to ask. That's, you know, if we went out this week, like I'm sure we're going to, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> now, coming up this week, the Avs open up on Monday, which is probably tonight as you listen to this. It's in Vegas at 8 o'clock Mountain to finish off a really tough home and home. Then on Wednesday, Colorado will back at home against the Philadelphia Flyers, which is a late start. It's 8 o'clock Mountain. Thanks, NBC. Finally, on Friday, the Blackhawks make their last stop of the year in Denver at 7 o'clock Mountain. The others are on altitude, but that last one is on altitude to the Ocho. Standard def. Oh, God. I'll be watching the other feed for that one, even though the Blackhawks feed is not as good as it used to be. I'm going to say we take six points this week. All three. I'm going five. I'm going four. I I think <clears throat> I I think with what the staff learned yesterday and sort of how the guys reacted, I think they're going to be able to double down on what they were able to do in sort of the the, the good parts of yesterday's game. We'll we'll take out the third period and and overtime as far as shot results and shot outcomes. Um. Because I think this game means a little bit more to the Avs than it does to the Knights, and I, I just I, I think they after winning yesterday they've got a little bit of an upper hand psychologically. Um, okay. I, I I think I think Philly I think the 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 game in Philly was a lot of fun earlier this year. Um, I don't even remember. Think, Let's go back and look. Yeah, it was it was a wide opening type game. Um, that was the end of the Matt Duchesne era. That was. Oh no wonder he I don't remember it. It was another season. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure that that Philadelphia does not play the, the wide opening style they did back in November, but. Um, you know, I, I think it's a team that the the Avalanche match up with pretty well. And... Oh, jeez. Avs tie the Philadelphia Flyers on November 4th, 4-4, four to four, and then win the shootout with regulation goals from Matt Duchesne, Blake Como, Miko Rantanen, and Nail Yakupov. Yeah. But the the Flyers play uh, the, the night before, I know. So, okay. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a back-to-back with travel, so... I, I don't know. I don't know how you can't put that one in the bank. And even even though I'd say they'd struggled a little bit with Chicago earlier this week. Um, that was in Chicago. That was in Chicago. Um, you know, I, struggled I think to a 5-1 victory. <laughs> now that they've now that they played them six times this month, I think they finally figure out exactly how to <laughs> beat them. <laughs> Boy, down goes Brown had a had a tweet the other day that was like, it's like the NHL schedule maker for every single team realized they hadn't scheduled some other team at the very end. Yeah. Because <laughs> I guess everyone is going through this where they play somebody a bunch. Yeah. <clears throat> no, because I, I think St. Louis has played the Blues already. They're, they're playing them two more times between now and the end of the season, obviously, but I think they've played them a couple times as recently as well. If St. Louis um, beats the Blues, who gets the points? Jake Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly none of them would come on a Vladimir Tarasenko backhand. <laughs> yeah, Colorado have three games against Chicago this month. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's kind of like, remember back in the day when they had super division-heavy schedules and you'd play the same team eight times? That was just the worst. Um it's, it's like, it's, oh boy, we're playing Calgary again. Awesome. Uh, it's, it's still not as bad as the end of February, which went Edmonton, Vancouver, Edmonton, yeah. Calgary, Vancouver, Calgary. 
it's Monday. It must be Vancouver. <laughs> and they also played Winnipeg twice that month, too. And that yeah. was their third game against Edmonton. Holy crap, February was stupid. I know. <laughs> now, that's something... like when we played Dallas. We played them twice in two weeks in, in October. And then twice in two weeks at the uh, end of November and into December, which ended in the much ballyhooed uh, free showerhead event, which was also the last <laughs> time we rendered seven goals at home. <laughs> free showerhead yeah, cause, event. Yeah, because we, we finished up with Dallas, what, the end of December? December 3, that was a 7-2 loss. Oh, that was the final game? We only play, oh, all right, wow. we only played them four times. Sorry, I forget you played. It's another thing. It'll be nice to get Seattle in the league. You stop playing it four times, five times. Who knows? Yeah. It, it makes some team schedules just unbalanced. Yeah. Well, just playing a team five times or three times like you do with some of the teams in the Pacific Division is dumb because, you know, playing on the road twice against, like, Los Angeles or San Jose is just, you know, that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah, and Colorado just happened to have Edmonton three times this year. Yeah. But only one of them was at home. Yeah. So, that's frustrating. But I I see Vegas bouncing back and winning that game on Monday. Um, I don't expect Colorado to uh, get a point out of that one, although maybe, maybe Nathan McKinnon will. Maybe he'll be named the star of the game. Maybe. Maybe he'll actually be his star. <laughs> yeah, in case you missed it, Mark Andre Fleury was the second star of of the game against Vegas, and deservedly so. And for some reason, the end game announcement was Nathan McKinnon. Because they well, just like saying Nathan McKinnon. Force of habit, I guess. Why not? <laughs> it's not like Fleury was going to go out there, so nah. Say one of the abs. Well, McKinnon didn't either. <laughs> <clears throat> nah, I'm sticking with six. We got this. And which one's the OTL for you, Vlad? Uh, I think it's going to be the Vegas game. I think they uh, get the extra point, but they lose in overtime. Okay. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. But. And then the following week, I th- we'll go ahead and do our our next our our last show before the end of the regular season on Saturday. Well, that'll be a Saturday night, Sunday morning release for y'all. Because the following week, Colorado plays Sunday and Monday back-to-back, which means we don't really have time to do a show. Um, that'll give us you know, a clear picture of where we're at going into the California trip, and then the uh, showdown with St. Louis on the last day of the year. Colorado could really, really benefit from more than four points this week, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Points are tough to come by this time of year, but I think this is... This is the easier of the two weeks, you'd have to say, right? (laughs) This one, yes. Apart from Vegas. Because any road game is tough for anybody. It's especially tough for this team for some reason. And they just got spanked by L.A. And, I mean, they played San Jose earlier earlier this year. I forgot how that game went. Let's look. Uh, They played San Jose pretty well this year. They did. San Jose may have been back-to-back, if I remember possible but uh colorado have actually caught a lot of teams on the second half of a back-to-back this year yeah they've had a very fortuitous schedule in that regard yep it's helped them win 41 games that's right so whether they make it 44 this week or if it stays at 41 you know you can find out here and like I said, next week will be on a day. It will be a day early next week because of the scheduling quirk. Um, just because there's not time. To, we're not going to sit here and do a show during a game because none of you want that. No, especially yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> us. You can always catch the latest episode on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Burgundy Radio or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash Burgundy Radio. We're in iTunes. We're in Google Play Music Store, Bod Podcast Land. And we are in your favorite RSS feed catcher. I post every episode at burgundyrainbow.com where you can 
check out the embedded players download from there leave comments join our discord and yell at us about how dumb we are about all of our bad takes that are wrong and awful especially about tyson berry um, that's the one i want to hear the most about <laughs> should we trade I personally him i want to hear whether whether i got the pretty showerhead date right <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was that dallas game it might have been the buffalo game of the that next tuesday after but i'm pretty sure that's when it was i'm trying to find out <laughs> you head up keep the dirty areas and we will see you early next week Seriously, who doesn't need a free shower head? <laughs> when I run out of um, uh, Hey Duke uh, uh, Jersey retirement stuff to give away, that's going to be the next thing to go. <laughs> <laughs> the official Avalanche free shower head. That should be for the draft lottery or something like that. <laughs> something big. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> what if we got Mark Alt's picture monogrammed on a shower head? <laughs> Maybe I can get an autograph it. Yes. How about a picture of Mark Alt with a free shower head? <laughs> <laughs> Just go up to him after, after a game or something, or at practice or whatever, say, say, Mark, you're not going to understand this. Don't try. But will you sign the shower head? <laughs> okay. <laughs> If he's the player that I get to take my picture with for the uh, the event coming up on Thursday, where we're in the uh, the Avs locker room and we do the free skate at Pepsi Center, that's my <laughs> that's my moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know you don't understand what's happening right now, but you're making about 350 people laugh really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we are your fan section, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Can be my first question. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever had to autograph? Well, correction, it's this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lordy. (laughs) You've killed me, you bastard. This limited edition Mark Alt autographed showerhead. <laughs> One of a kind. There will never be another like it, ever. <laughs> Impress your friends. 